recording. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Adela Marcy Unplugged. I'm your host of the most, as always, Adela Marcy. And today, I am actually thrilled and very graciously joined by someone that I remember. It was their first season of their show that we first met in. Um, was it? it? Yeah, season one. Another quite yeah. yeah, I've been on your show before. Um, no, I actually didn't know it was that long ago. Yeah. I don't know if that's right. I'll... Uh... <laughs> I'll stay here quietly. <laughs> Maybe. Did we really do that? Yes, we really did do that. Hold on one <laughs> moment. I think, yeah, there we go. So my microphone's being weird. I just got like a big old message saying, your microphone's weird. I'm like, oh. oh. But yeah, so uh, I'm joined by none other than Miss Leanne Brooke. Is it Tyler or Taylor? I always Tyler. 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 Some people have it spelt the same way. And so I, I met someone that had it spelt Tyler. I asked and they're like, no, it's Taylor. I was like, that's confusing. Mm, no, mine's spelt as it's said. Yes, exactly. So um, just very quickly for the people that don't know who you are uh, or have never heard you or heard of you, you actually own a podcast which surprisingly sponsors this show for this episode, which is primalhappiness.co. That's your website, but Primal Happiness is your podcast. And if I'm not mistaken, it's been three, four years now? Four years? Four years. I want to say four Five years. years. Five years. Five years. Huh. Yeah, no, we actually did start our show pretty much at the same time. I remember Starting that. in 2014. Yeah, it's five years. Yeah, crazy. Time flies. I thought it was four years for some reason, but I think that's basically when you started. That's when we met or something. It would have been early times that we were on each other's shows. Um, but wow, it's grown. I've been watching its progress. It's grown. You guys have had some amazing guests. And my only question is to right away begin with, uh, what caused it to actually be? Like what caused Primal Happiness uh, to become a show? Mm. That's a, an interesting question because over time I've probably got, it's probably that, that uh, cliche thing that Steve Jobs said about joining the dots backwards where I think each year I've been asked that question, it looks different to me. So mm -hmm. when, when it first started out, I was probably the least likely person to be a podcaster. Um, I, at the time, I've since had this, an operation, had it fixed, but I was partially deaf, never listened to podcasts. The uh, concentration it required of me to stay focused on one thing, let alone one thing that was kind of coming in audio was just not possible for me. So I probably listened to a handful of podcast episodes in my life at that point. Um, so I really was not someone you'd expected me to start a podcast, let alone still be doing it five years later. But had started the business, uh, Primal Happiness. Uh, at that time, it had a different name, but we won't go to that. And my business partner was the one that said, do you know what? I think you'd be amazing as a podcast host. I think it would be such a great medium for you to talk to interesting people, get our message out, um, all of those things. You know, it would just be perfect. Give it a go. And I was just, you know, like, uh, I'm not the right person for this. I'm not a podcaster. I don't like podcasts. I don't listen to podcasts. No. Um, but there was something in it that just made me, th I'm not someone that typically <laughs> will do what other people suggest, but some reason I did. And over the time, I'm sure you'll relate to this, um, over time, I've had a real love-hate relationship to it. You know, there's been some years where, oh my goodness, I've resented it so much. The work involved. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I, I've been a little bit lucky on that front. Um, 
I you resented the first. I, I resented the first two years in the sense. Oh, that right. the, the reason I resented it was I had amazing guests, but I could never get consistency on releasing, uh, putting a release schedule together. Ah, oh, right. So, the moment I uh, nixed that, as soon as it just you know nipped it in the bud, it was done. Um, I've enjoyed it. The only thing I haven't enjoyed is the marketing side of my show. Like, mm. I don't like doing it as much. And I'm very grateful. We have 25,000 uh, downloads a month right now. I'm very grateful for that. Mm. But it took me five years to get there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like it wasn't overnight. And it just, I see so many people that come out the gate swinging with like a top 200 show in the first week. I'm like, I hate you so much. Mm. I have no yeah. idea like the suffering we had to go through. Yes. <laughs> Totally. And for me, it was so much, um, I mean, this is probably true almost everywhere in life. It was really just my stuff. It really wasn't stuff out there that was causing the resentment. It was my own relationship to um, commitment, to boredom, to doing the same things. There was so much in there for me. It's actually been one of my greatest opportunities to learn and grow. So over time, each year, as I say, I look back and I think, oh, I can now really see um, why I started it. I didn't know that at the time that was the reason I started, but I can now see that this was the reason. And then another year will go by and I think, oh, I can really see how this is, I don't know, for example, allowed me to connect to amazing people are proven to be really helpful to, for me one way or another personally. Another year it'll be like, oh my goodness, this has now become our main or even only form of marketing. Oh my goodness. It, I didn't know that that's what this was for. It's like every year I realize something and it, I, I'm sure that will keep going. Like now, goodness, what do I see about it now? I think I think it's probably the year where I've, I've most seen how this has been this vehicle for growth for me. That's in amazing. All ways. Yeah. I mean, it'll definitely get you out of the shell. I mean, that's one of the cool things about it. It's one of the reasons I actually, I've been told, I got told last year to switch the show over to a video model. Mm -hmm. And I almost did, but I didn't specifically for one reason. I love being on video. I love making videos. The only problem is the amount of time it takes me to get through and do editing. Yeah pisses me off and I don't like editing. Mm -hmm. Like it's the reason I don't edit the show. It's the reason I don't edit any copy that I write. If someone sends me a message back going, Hey, can you edit this? Unless, unless it was something that they gave me a final piece to edit, that's fine. But if I had to edit my own work, I just delete and start again. Cause I'm like, ah, mm -hmm. screw it. I'll do it better than the second time around. <laughs> um, and like, Hey, this should have taken you an hour. It's like, nah, let this chef cook. It takes three hours to make this dinner. Let me, let me, let me set the table and make it good. Mm. Um, but what I found is with the shows, with podcasting in general, because I actually have a, I have a second show as well coming out um, in summer this year, 2019. Oh, wow. Um, it's not to do with business. It's a fighters podcast. Because I used to be, I am still a martial artist, but I was a quite a high level martial artist and comp, uh, competitor myself. So now I'm like, mm. okay, I'm going to go break down actual fights. I'm going to break down what they do and why they do. Oh, learn. fabulous. Love that. It's, it's a bunch of fun. But right now I've like withheld from like recording any episodes because I've looked at it and gone, I've just been so busy with the move. I want to make sure this is right before I start doing it, which is not the attitude most entrepreneurs have. But I've been doing this for a long time. They've actually gone, have a plan this time because you've been there before where you didn't mm -hmm. know what you were doing. Yeah, which you um, can make work, but it's a lot harder. Oh, hell yeah. Why would you go up the mountain twice as hard? It's yes. like, as they always <laughs> say, the first time you do six figures, um, 
and then what was it? First time you do six figures, it's uh, it's hard as hell. The second time you do six figures, it takes about six months, and you yeah. realize exactly how quickly you could have done it because you're like, oh yeah, I've gone through this entire process. I know what mm. it is. Yeah. Again, I think that's one of those things that applies to so many parts of life. It's like, yeah, why would you learn the same things twice? Yeah. Why would you? Why would you go through unless you're doing the same thing that so many idiotic people do? But yeah, that's different. Um, mm. I love that. So my one of my queries on this comes more from the marketing realm, and that is from someone from your level of experience. What have you found has been consistently a builder of traffic for you guys like how have you guys gone out there and marketed your podcast mm. do you know what very little and so it's interesting to me when you were saying about one of the aspects of the podcast that you struggle with is marketing i wouldn't say that's something that we've been particularly good at either um and there's been times maybe we've, we've put more focus there but i think this I think this is so, um, and this is only one way of doing it. Just to be clear, I'm not saying that this is the a formula or yeah. uh, anything I'm saying necessarily like works across everyone. I think where the podcast has been really a, an expression of our Jonathan, my business partner, I, is, is an expression of our growth, is an expression of our evolution, is expression of who we are, who we're being in the world, what's important to us, what we're interested in, how we're working with other people, how we're helping. And I think the more, and this, again, this goes beyond just podcasting. This just goes, goes to however we're showing up in life, whether that be with a client, whether that be at the supermarket, whether that be when I go to the school to pick up my children. I think the more we're in contact with who we really are and being that on purpose out loud in the world, that is its own marketing. And so the more intentional I am about being that on the podcast, and whether that be when I'm doing a show solo or whether that be me interviewing someone else, mm -hmm. there's such power there. There's such power in people can hear the truth of that. They can hear you in that. And I think that in itself acts as a form of marketing, you know, whether that be what some one person listening and hearing something so deeply for them, they go and tell someone else, go listen to this. There's nothing else like this. And so we've, we've focused so much on the show itself, the quality and the depth of the show and who I'm being on the show. And the same applies to like guests we get on the show, um, both in terms of the choosing the people, but also creating the space, the container for them to show up as fully as themselves as they can be. Yeah more and more I see like that's where I want to put the focus that's where I want to put our time our intention our energy yeah I mean that's actually one of the big things I love about my own personal show and that's the only thing I can honestly speak about is from my experience here is the moment I started to kind of drop that perspective of um, my show has to be a certain way it can be exactly what it is things changed for the better. And I realized, I think you guys are going to go through that same metamorphosis a little bit more um, in depth as time goes on. I mean, because again, this entire roller coaster that we call podcasting is just that it is a mm. roller coaster. Um, and it's powerful. So that really leads me to really just ask the question and around the idea of what is your, what is your qualifying criteria for people to end up on your show? And 
do you recommend podcasters starting out should actually have that qualifying criteria? Hmm. Um, Again, that's definitely evolved and become more and more intentional. Um, in terms of a criteria, I'm not going to come up with some like nice snappy sentence here. I might do. Let's see what comes out of my mouth. But, yeah, for us, it's very much people who are in one way or another on the leading edge. People are prepared to be different. People are prepared to... Um, again speak who they are into the world you know they're willing to whether that be might be unpopular it might not be politically politically correct it might not be well received but people who are willing to be their truth work their truth speak their truth and one way or another it'd be pointing to humans being able to be as actualized as we can be it feels to me that we've arrived at a point in time where we've had a lot go against us in terms of the conditioning we've most of us have received yep. the disconnection from our environment disconnection from other people all the things that really we've seen over time actually allow humans to thrive we've been disconnected from and so at this point to have the opportunity to intentionally be who we really are and get the support that we need to do that in all the different ways. Again, whether that just could be as simple as making sure we're getting out in nature more. So people who are pointing to the things that are going to allow humans to get in touch with who we are and be it out loud in the world, they're the people we want on the show. Um, and so over time, I think that's become more and more distilled for us. Like, oh, it's those people. And sometimes it's not necessarily even in, it might be more of like a felt sense than a kind of obvious, oh, they tick these boxes. Um, but I can see the times where we've had people on the show and it didn't go as we'd hoped. You know, it, the yeah. quality of the episode or the way it was received by listeners was off. And I can really see now there were people that... Uh, I, I could have, if I'd been more intentional about the choosing, I probably would have said no to the people perhaps who maybe had a big following and we were kind of glamoured by that. Oh yeah, they're sort of pointing in the same direction. They've got a big following. Let's have them on. And they were the ones that, oh, that, that fell flat. Yep. So to answer your other question, I think it is, I think it is an important criteria to have as someone who hosts a show. Um, but I don't think necessarily you can have that right at the get-go. I think that, again, is part of that evolution and growth. You start to discern that as you go through year after year of the show and recognizing what feels right to you, what works. Yeah. No, it definitely is that. Um, and I've had it with so many entrepreneurs. I used to have this with um, having people like uh, Matt and Joe, Matt Wolf and Joe Fear. I had on my show. I loved, them, loved having them on my show. What they said was, um, if you don't like a certain guest, just don't release the don't release the episode. Yeah, we've and had that a few times. <laughs> I've released episodes I've not enjoyed on this show, and I've kept them up. I can go back and delete them, but I don't want to because I'm like, I want people to see that there were bad episodes. Mm. Um, and what I mean by bad episode is where you don't really get you don't get the guest engage with the host at all. They're like so detached mm. um, from the whole idea. Like right now, uh, anyone that's done a podcast, you know, see me do video shows. They know that I look around a room. I fidget. If I'm on a Facebook live, I fidget a lot. 
the reason basically being is I know my dyslexia, my ADD really, really, really do kick in. So I've got to like keep my brain occupied enough to keep uh, consistent with the actual conversation. Otherwise you'll be interrupted halfway through a conversation to ask a really random question about <laughs> squirrels, which is never a good thing. Um, there are questions about squirrels though. As far as it goes with... Um, <laughs> I'm open to anything. <laughs> yeah, it'll, it'll always be that thing. Um, but as far as it goes, though, like picking who you want on your show, I believe is one of the coolest things that you get to choose as a podcaster mm-hmm. and also as a freelance marketer or anything that you work in freelance. Remember, you don't pick your cli- you don't have to um, have your clients pick you. You pick your clients, so you can yeah. find one. Um, I'm learning this quite recently as well, which is quite nice. I got to fire someone recently, and I was like, "Haha, go away, you asshole." Um, sucked but at the same time it was very liberating uh Mm. one of the questions i did have coming up to this show particularly with you that really came into mind was this whole idea of why did you name your show primal happiness of all things Mm. like it's a great name but i want to know why it wasn't named something else yeah good question (laughs) happy hour with leanne and jonathan I didn't re- I, you could have gone with that. You could have gone with something completely different. But I'm always curious because, like, um, like, if it's okay, may I just take a moment to just explain why the show is called what it is? Yeah, sure. Yeah, so the reason why it's called Adela Marcy Unplugged, for my fans that have been with me since episode one, and there is only a handful of you, you would remember the first five or six episodes were titled uh, The Lifestyle Hero Podcast, which I hated. Um, <laughs> I just owned the domain, so I was like, screw it, I'll go for it. This is back in 2014 when everyone was trying to be a damn guru, including me. It was terrible. Because mm-hmm. um, I realized that's not me. I'm way too unconventional and far too weird um, to do that. So I just started listening to other shows. I was like, no, the, the shows I have are pretty unplugged. They're off hook. They're off record. Mm-hmm. I'm like, screw it. We're just going to name this Adel Marcy Unplugged where I get people to like reveal their darkest secrets of ridiculousness. Let's have that show. <laughs> I love it. That's how I came up with mine. What about you? So, um, as I alluded to earlier, we didn't start out this way. Yeah. Way back in 2014, um, at that point, the our business and our show was called Born Happy. So the, the business was called Born Happy and the show was called The Born Happy Show. And that was because at the time, um, the way Jonathan and I met, we were both part of um, a specific form of spirituality, a community that we're both part of. We met at a retreat. And yeah. like yeah. many forms, second, sorry? Can I ask which, which sect of spirituality? I'm curious. Sure. It's, uh, it's called The Three Principles. And it... Trevor Blake. Kind of, what did you just say, sorry? Was that Trevor Blake's book? No, that's three simple steps. Sorry, that was on. Yeah, that's um, no interrupt. That it was just I had to. I was like, okay. oh. um, two probably best known proponents of the three principles are Michael Neal and Jamie Smart, both who've had very well known books. So, yeah, if you've heard of either of them, that's Jamie's an old friend. So yeah. Mm. Oh, cool. cool. So that was at the time where we were feeling most inspired and our work as coaches was based around and like many forms of spirituality it was really pointing to that sort of deep down innate sense of well-being happiness peace whatever word you want to give to it um again nothing unique there that's probably true for most forms of spirituality it just happened that was the one that we were aligned to at the time and then 
a few years in, our, the more and more we recognized what was really creating the biggest impact with our clients and what we were feeling most drawn to was also looking at the human aspect. Like if that's the spiritual aspect, where's the human aspect of that? You know, where's the stuff where we get to see what gets like works for these body of ours? You know, and I, as I was saying earlier, that could be us being in nature, for example. It could be how we fuel ourselves. All those things are like really important for this human body because we're both, we're spiritual and we're physical. And yeah. so we were looking, we got to the point where we're like, oh my goodness, it just doesn't feel like where we were is now true for us. It feels like we've evolved. And so it was just one of those like flashes of inspiration where I, we were kind of batting around names and I just said to, um, the happiness part still felt true to us. You know, ultimately that kind of deep down real sense of fulfillment and happiness still felt true to us. It was the born bit that didn't feel quite so true anymore. And, uh, I just said, what about primal happiness? And it's like, yeah, that feels like it could work and it for us that it, it included both primal happiness includes that the wild human animal part of us and it includes that kind of real deep down sense of fulfillment spiritual happiness so very long answer but that was the real the underlying inspiration for both the business and then the show was kind of named obviously in the same way that is excellent. See, I love that. And I love that you guys actually went with different words itself because so very few people do. They kind of find one show and stick to it. And it's like, mm. oh no, it's wrong. Or it whatever. felt scary. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. there are so many shows I've had ideas for over the last like five years that I've not implemented or executed because just running one show can sometimes be a real pain in the butt unless you mm. have a team in place. Um, now, something I did want to ask you that was not related so much to podcasting, it was more towards with you, and that was what was your business, or actually what is still your business, outside of podcasting? Because I know you have multiple streams of different things that you guys do. Um, what is it that you do outside of the podcasting world? Mm. So, um, the podcasting has become, and I'm saying this even though that's not your question, I just want to say it's funny because... It's probably only been in the last couple of years I've seen how important the podcast is as an overall element of the business. Yeah. It, it um, that has actually been a bit of a surprise to me, and I was probably the last to know on that. Um, in terms of the core of our business, is ultimately supporting people in their expansion, in their growth, in their quest to become more themselves, to uncover their gifts, to give those gifts to the world so we do that in, in various ways that looks like one-to-one -one coaching it also looks like partnership coaching so working with um it doesn't have to be couples or work like intimate couples it could actually be a business partnership but typically it would be an actual couple um which is amazingly juicy work and also circles. So I lead um, women's circles around wild feminine reclamation. So getting women back in touch with who they really are and what they have to give to the world and being it in a more uh, receptive, fulfilled way. So that's been in the last year or so, a kind of growing aspect of our work. And Jonathan does the same with men. 
Um, but it all really, again, pointing back to the same place of allowing people to understand who they are and be it more in the world. See, that's powerful because so few people feel like they have the permission to be themselves. Mm. And that's a huge thing um, because we're constantly told from a very young age to keep quiet. Yes. Don't be yourself. Let yourself, if you act a certain way, then no one's going to love you. No one's going to like you. Totally. Totally. It's, it's scary stuff. And I think this is the, the aspect of whether you call it loving yourself or, you know, being authentic or any of this stuff, you know, speaking your truth. The fact is this goes against not just our conditioning. I mean, we have all that conditioning telling us it's not acceptable, but also goes to the heart of us as humans and our very real need to be liked and accepted, to be part of a tribe, because being part of the tribe means that we can be safe, we can survive, we'll, we'll, we'll stay alive because we're with others. And that's why this is something that we are typically going to need support with. It's really scary. It's, it's not an easy path to walk even with support, but it's pretty much, I wouldn't say impossible, but it is blooming terrifying to attempt to do that on your own. Oh, I would not disagree with that. Just being able to speak to anyone about anything that you do, it is cripplingly scary. Mm. Um, the vulnerability aspects of like being human, I got to admit, as much as I love at times, it is so painful because mm. you feel alone. You feel like you're yeah. not understood. Mm-hmm. And that is very powerful that you actually um, cover that. I'm very, very grateful that you do because so very Thank few you. people do. Um, my question therein lies, but what drove that for you? Like, what was it specifically that drove you down that path? So initially, and this going back uh, five years ago when uh, we were coming again more from some dogs snoring in the background um <laughs> coming more from looking at it through this spiritual lens it was oh, realizing sorry. sorry about that leon i was actually asking more towards like what was it about specifically that led you down the spiritual path for you oh i see so going back a like a another stage bit. again okay yeah. thanks for clarifying um oh my goodness probably like most people who've had a a big transformation it often comes it's sort of catalyzed by something that we typically haven't chosen there is that sense of um rupture mm-hmm. of our daily life for me it came in the form of my dad suddenly dying um we were very very close he raised me we we're a single parent family and the manner of his death was very sudden very shocking and led to um a lot of disruption and just all sorts of challenges without going into it it was a year of intense challenge um what i noticed as that year went on on the one hand it was the hardest year i'd had in my life and then on the other hand i was noticing something more about the beauty of life the depth of life the connection between people and so this was totally unchosen this path it was the probably the last thing i expected to happen at a time where i was grieving the person who i was closest to um and at the end of the year i realized i was such a different person i was in such a different place and i realized i was able to help people i just didn't really know exactly how to do it 
Um, and so that led me on this kind of quest, like, how do I do this? How do I share what I'm seeing with people? Which is how I ended up falling into what I was speaking about earlier, that spiritual um, community. And I started seeing people as a coach almost immediately. It was, I saw so clearly people need this. People need to be held and seen and loved uh, in this way. And so that happened really, really quickly. I, I did, did do a year of training, but honestly, everything I was able to create or co-create with my clients back then was there already. It was, I think I probably needed that year of training to help my confidence. But honestly, I think when you're able to see with such clarity, what's really there for people below all their shame and their chaotic thinking and their conditioning that's keeping them small. When you're able to see past that and speak to people from that place, that has power. Yep. It really does. You actually believe people more who've actually gone through a similar situation like that. They can really, they can believe and work with you than someone that hasn't. Mm. Um, Cause I had this with my friend Gregory when I went through my own transformation last year, he was the first person I met that was like me diagnosed with the same illnesses I have. And actually had a very similar life path to me. Mm. Um, and because of that, I trusted him and still trust him wholeheartedly, like for his good advice and guidance, anyone else, I got to take it with a pinch of salt. So I'm like, mm. I really don't know what I've been through. Yeah. So it's kind of like interesting whenever you go through it that way and actually see how people think. Uh, how people are now one of my favorite questions to ask on the show kind of jumping off of that point a little bit and very relative because i do want to know this and we're changing the questions up for you specifically so this is a, mm -hmm. a very you-centric question treatment <laughs> a little bit. Um, my first question it's if you were to name five, 10 books that were very influential inf influential to you that you'd recommend anyone else watch but here's the caveat Four, seven of those books are nonfiction. Three of those books are fiction. Now, those three can either be fictional books or they can be movies, completely up to you. But the seven nonfiction, they can be self-development, spirituality, business, whatever it is, you get free reign. So that's mm. my question to you. Wow, 10. Oh, my goodness. Um, if I give people three, they go, oh, three is too little. So I was like, okay, 10 it is. Oh, I love that. And I, um, uh, you may or may not know, I am a massive lover of books and reading. I did, so. <laughs> I did know that. <laughs> this is a great question. So I'll start with a nonfiction. Um, do you just want me to list them or do you want me to give any rationale? It's up to you. The floor is entirely yours for this. I'll, I'll do, I'll do a mixture. So one of the books that I read straight away after my dad died, um, and I now look back and I think, I don't think that was a coincidence. I really see how important that was to my path at the time is journey of souls and Good book. It's about past life and between life regression. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's not something I'd been particularly interested in before, but it was so influential in me being able to see something different about this horrendous situation on the surface of my dad dying. It allowed me to see there could be something deeper and more at play. So love, love, love that book. And on a similar vein, um, uh, Many Lives, Many Masters. 
so I'll put that, it may or may not be in that top, top 10, but uh, that's a sim- on a similar lens, the Many Lives, Many Masters. Um, but Journey of Souls is my first one. Um, I love the, uh, there's a grouping of books actually that are kind of on a similar sort of lens, which I'm going to say all of them because I, I love them all. So uh, Siddhartha, um, The Peaceful Warrior, and um illusions and autobiography of a yogi and i that's actually a mixture because i think i've said two actually two of those can count as fiction um the way it's it's the way of the peace warrior and um uh illusions and also said that's actually that's my three probably uh fiction there which i've now lost track i think i've said three non-fiction i may go all, o- all over the place on the numbers but i love all of those books you've gone there's, um, there's, there's no uh there's nothing that's actually wrong here so you can actually go as many or as little as you want sure um with those kinds of books they are have all had they've all got a really powerful story whilst also having a much deeper message um and i love books that are able to do that they're kind of so entertaining you're so engrossed in the story and a lot of my work is around stories and archetypes and heroines and heroes journey and i love books that are able to give you that and then also contain something transformative within them too um so all, all of those books, I would say, um, are able to do that. Another one that I think is similar, although it is, uh, is nonfiction, is The Surrender Experiment. Um, so it's by Michael Singer, the same, uh, same chap who wrote Untethered Soul, which is oh, also an amazing book. Um, I love The Surrender Experiment because it's such a... You know how we play with these ideas, whether it might be surrender or faith or, I don't know, being completely open and loving to the world. And he took the idea of surrender to its kind of like probably really one of the most extreme examples you can see of that. And it's so inspiring to see like, wow, the life he lived, the impact he was able to make, the experience he had from that place of just surrendering to what life was bringing to him. I find that just phenomenal. Um, so yeah, really, really love that book. Um, what else? What else? What else? Um, all of these so far probably have been in the realm of either sort of personal growth or spirituality for sure. Oh my goodness. One of my favorite books and, um, it's quite hard to get a hold of. I'm not sure. Yeah, I think you can get it in Kindle. I think it's harder to get in paperback. It's called original wisdom and it's again, nonfiction. And it's a, an anthropologist, I think he was, who went to spend time with indigenous people in Malaysia. And it, that book I th- was so influential for me in that kind of, as I, we were trying to ask, answer that question, what, work, what's, what does a human animal need? What, what mm. allows humans to thrive? It was books like that, and particularly that book, that really helped us to see that more clearly. Um, the connection of the people, like the, you know, in relationships of the people in that book, how they lived in, in deep connection with each other, with their natural habitat, with the animal life, with the plant life. Oh my goodness. It just conjures it up to such an incredible degree. Um, love, love, love that book. How many, how many more am I allowed? Uh, let's say two more. 
two more. Okay, let me have a think. Um, hmm, I'm looking, uh, I read a lot on Kindle, but I'm just having a look at my bookshelf to see if there's anything there. That, oh my goodness, how could I forget? Um, the Tao Te Ching has probably been, um, yeah, I would say one of the most important books for me. Um, and it's, it's what's been interesting for me is, is it's one of those books and one of those philosophies where because it's talking about such deep truths about life, you see it show up everywhere. So it's when I, when I first discovered it and went deep into Taoism, at that time, it was kind of like all I could see. And then as time has gone on and I've got really interested in other things, and it could be, again, it could be looking at how humans are designed to live. It could be around polarity and the interplay between masculine and feminine. Um, it could be all sorts of things. I see over and over again the truth that's articulated in this kind of fairly <laughs> hard to understand way in the Tao Te Ching, I see it over and over again. The more and more we can understand the way that life plays, the, the way that life flows, the way that we have this kind of um, supporting pairs of opposites, the yin yang throughout life, I just return to that over and over again. So that's been definitely one of the most impactful books for me. Okay. I'm allowed one more. I'm going to go with, I'm going to probably listen back to this and like kick myself and think, why did you not mention this? Why didn't you mention this? But um, <laughs> Hey, it's all very in the moment. And um, the last book I would say is, hmm, shall I say that or not? I don't know. You got to tell me if uh, what you're going to say though. <laughs> um, I'm unlaring I'm, I'm between a few books, right? I'm going to go with Women Who Run With The Wolves, um, which is all around the wild woman archetype. And it's very based on um, different myths, so actual myths throughout time. And Clarissa Pinkola says, who wrote the book, she's retold each myth herself and then breaks down what's there for a woman reading it, why it's important, what, what we need to reclaim to be in our fullest, most expanded self. Um, and so that's a book that has been really important to me personally in just the reading of it. But it's also something that I've used a lot when I'm leading women's circles. It's a book where for women to hear the, the depths and the truth and the wildness in those myths, wake something up within them. It has some magic beyond the pages. Um, so for me, that's more than, more than a book. There's something incredible, so magical about that book. But it, it's, uh, yeah, it's been a very important one for me. That one, I could see why. It's definitely one of those things that when you actually look at it from that perspective, there's a couple of books that really speak wildly to people, like um, The Way of the Superior Man. Is oh, yes, book. I love that book too. Mm -hmm. It's a great book. Every person should read it, in my opinion. Yes. Um, but yeah, I mean, initially it was written for men, so it's, uh, it's a great book to read. By the way, I will make a recommendation that doesn't get made anymore, but it's a great book that helped me deal with a lot of trauma growing up, and that was Life's Golden Ticket. Oh, I've never read that. Who's yeah, that by? Brendan Bouchard. Ah. Hmm. Really good book. Inspirational story. Really well done. I mean, I love it. 
I put it right up there with The Alchemist of one of the books I love to read. Mm. Um, and kind of like one of my favorite questions really, and this is something that, because you, you've been an entrepreneur for a long time, you've run different businesses, you've had your own coaching practice, you've had your podcast, you're doing great in what you do. And you've gone through the personal traumas of everything else that happened internally that a lot of people don't really know that we have the scars of. So my question for you to really ask to wrap up the show has to be quite simply this. When life kicked you in the ass and basically dropped you from its highest graces and you're on your back, what did you do to pull yourself back up and get up when you wanted to quit? Mm, great question. I'm going to, although the story I just told about when my uh, father died is the most kind of obvious and most poignant um, example of that. I think that was just one of those times in life where it was just kind of very mold breaking. It was very life shattering. So there was very little in the way that felt I was making choices. And I think maybe we all have the opportunity to have a, a time like that, but I don't think they're meant to be one that we have a lot. Um, and so when, when I think of the question where it's more those times where yes, life bloody challenging and stuff happens, but not to that level where it feels like all life's been sort of taken away from us and we're starting again. Um, what occurs to me is the, the value of being able to slow down and listen deeply to what wants to be created through us. I've had several times and particularly um, as an entrepreneur where for whatever reason, and there can be all sorts of reasons, it could be because business isn't going well, it could be because a um challenge within the business relationships it could be all sorts of things and as humans we tend to have this tendency uh particularly when we're feeling scared to want to fix something quickly to jump into action and you know do something and hopefully that'll make it better and more and more i've seen the value of doing the opposite to actually slow down and look deeply and that could look many different ways that could be meditation it could be writing for self-inquiry journaling could just literally be taking walks and seeing what how you feel what what's going through your mind and slowing down enough that you can actually hear that stuff um that's also obviously something you can do in a coaching relationship too but yeah. i think ultimately it's just finding a way of allowing yourself to take advantage of these these things in life aren't an accident they're an opportunity they're a catalyst for change they're an opportunity for you to bring more of your soul into the world and so the only way you'll be able to do that is to actually stop and listen and it's it's often the like last thing we want to do it feels like every part of us wants to do anything but slow down and listen but for me over and over again i'm noticing the real gifts that come when I'm courageous enough to do that. That's a huge one. I, what, what is your methodology for slowing down listening? Is it meditation? Is it journaling? Is it something else? It's uh, it's pretty much all of that. I'm a huge fan of writing for self-inquiry. I think okay. the morning pages, I think is a beautiful practice. I don't, I don't know if you're familiar with that. It was, 
um, it's in the book The Artist's Way, which is also a phenomenal book, which I've mentioned that one too. And uh, in that, she recommends this practice called The Morning Pages, which really recommends if, if you're listening and haven't heard that, go check that out because it's a, a really wonderful practice, basically of just writing free flow, three pages every morning not with any particular goal in mind, not, it's not meant to be perfect, it's not meant to be grammatically correct, just writing. Mm-hmm. Um, that is incredible for what that brings out. It is amazing. It's actually a, a practice I recommend to my own clients because I see it's that powerful. So various forms of writing for self-inquiry, I personally love. Also working with my own coach. Um, I'm a big believer in if you're helping other people to grow and change to also get the same support yourself. So that could be something I would take to of my current coaches. The other thing is, um, which is something, honestly, we could easily do a whole show on, um, becoming more in contact with our bodies, like more in our bodies. And this is something uh, David Dada, who wrote The Way of the Superior Man, speaks about beautifully. The more we're able to be deeply present in our bodies, feel how our bodies feel, feel what our senses are bringing to us. There's so much information there, which sometimes might be a case of just laying and relaxing and deepening in and speaking to my body and see what's there. Could be movement. um, I'm again, big, big advocate of um, finding ways to allow your body to move the way it wants to move. And there's real information when we do that. So endless ways, but they're some of my favorite ones. That's amazing. One of the ones that I use that I like throwing out there is isolation tanks. (laughs) Yeah, I've never been in one and I'm scared of the dark, so I'm not sure I'd be able to. But uh, I'm terrified of being in the dark. Are you? Oh, yeah. I've never met I, anyone I, who's got that same fear. Um, no, I, I've, uh, I've, I don't like being out at nighttime. It's, mm. it's like not terrified of being completely in the dark or whatever. It is. I just don't like being out at night. And if it's mm-hmm. completely dark, I dislike being in my own head. Mm. Um, but the isolation tank is about eight feet by eight feet. So it's huge. Um, like I'm six foot tall and I fit perfectly in there. And um, you actually have a light in there until it's time to actually go. And then it just like 15 minutes in, you're already relaxed because your brain is listening to like beautiful sound and music. Mm-hmm. And before you know it, you probably usually drift off to sleep and then the light just goes out and then you wake up and you're like, huh, I'm still in water. The amount of times I've done it where I've woken up and gone, what time of day is it? Oh crap, <laughs> yeah. it's Sunday. Why is my bed so soft? And why am I feel like I'm sinking? Wait, hold on, I'm in an isolation tank. I can just pop the room open and come out. <laughs> Yeah, like exaggerated form of when you go to the cinema in the daytime, you come out and you're like, what? <laughs> I did that a couple of days ago to watch something. And um, I went in, it was nice and warm. I came out, it was cold. I was like, oh. It's oh, way. yeah. You yeah. wasted the sun. <laughs> I did. We didn't get enough of it over here. But very quickly, I want to give a quick shout out to primalhappiness.co uh, or .co. Um, and also guys go listen to Leanne's podcast at Primal Happiness. It's one of the, one of the coolest shows you've got like great guests that you guys have had on. You of course do great solo shows as well. And yeah, guys go check it out. It'll be, it'll be a real blast. And Leanne, thank you again for being here. Really appreciate you taking the time today. Oh, thank you. It's, it's been really fun. Lovely, lovely questions. And, uh, feels like we've had a real conversation, which isn't always the case. So really yeah. appreciate you for that. They're my favorite ones to have.
Anyway, guys, I will see you on next week's episode. Please check out Leanne's uh, podcast, which is primalhappiness.co. It is on, I reckon, all platforms like Android. Yeah, Android. yeah everywhere. Yep. Go ahead and check it out. You have no excuse. Um, take care. <laughs> I'll see you next week.